Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Hello and welcome to the Critic Podcast. MPs have just voted to impose a tiered uh, structure of coronavirus restrictions on England after the lockdown ends tomorrow. Uh, The debate has been going on all day in the House of Commons. Graham, you have been sitting in the chamber watching the whole thing, haven't you? I have, and it was a strange experience, a strange experience in two respects. Firstly, because part of me felt we had a, a slight sense of deja vu uh, deja vu in the sense that it reminded me of the debate before we went into the lockdown and many of the arguments that were being made particularly by uh, Tory backbench critics were were quite similar uh, to those that were made today against uh, what is replacing the lockdown which is to say the, the three different tiers uh, for, for England but uh, also I mean curious in another way in how um, how bloodless the defence was by the government, uh, really falling back on kind of ideas of, you know, one more push, you know, we've come this far, we've made huge sacrifice, let's not, let's not give up now. And if we do give up, you know, there'll have to be another lockdown. It, it, we've come a, an extraordinary way from October when the Prime Minister was ruling out another lockdown to then having a lockdown. And then now saying that the, these measures replacing a lockdown are necessary, otherwise there'll be a third lockdown. It just shows how far the, the debate has, has, has both moved, and yet many of the arguments we keep hearing are, are the same. Mm. Um, and one thing everyone's saying is that the uh, the, the magic number of um, uh, 40 Conservative rebels was reached, which means that it would overturn the 80-seat majority that the Conservatives had. We, we were trying to figure this out before the podcast, weren't we? That's not quite true, is it? Yes, well, I mean, the, the, the problem of doing the, the, the maths is, of course, because this is an England-only measure, a devolved measure, the SNP, who have 48... MPs at Westminster um, don't vote on, on the vault measures of this kind. So that, that's changed the arithmetic a little bit. Uh, there are 200 uh, Labour MPs. Um, Keir Starmer instructed them to, to abstain, or as Boris Johnson teased him earlier today, to heroically abstain. Um, uh, most of those did. A, a few of them, I think 15 Labour MPs uh, disobeyed their leader and, and voted in the in, in, in the nose lobby. Um, so we have uh, a situation that, that, you know, the question is, has Keir Starmer given Boris a lifeline uh, if he'd instructed Labour to vote against? And uh, the truth is not not quite. Uh, the, 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 the figures still wouldn't quite add up if you put 200 Labour MPs in, in the no lobby um, uh, rather than the 15 who actually did go through the Tories would still be a little bit short because you're taking out the SNP. Uh, there's also the Lib Dems who abstain, there's Plaid Cymru uh, and so on. Um, so uh, there are, uh, uh, it would take, I think, about, I mean, another 28 Tories, I think the maths are, it would take another 28 Tories who voted with the government um, to, to not do so. So if 14 of those changed, uh, to vote no, then that that would have been um, the government losing the vote had Labour um, 
uh, voted against rather than ab abstaining. So you, you can legitimately say that the government won this on its own steam. But I guess 14 is not a lot of uh, people to change their mind. And I spoke to one MP today who said that he voted, he was voting with the government, but the government were on their last warning and next time he would be voting against. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, uh, we've heard this a number of times from uh, Conservative MPs, and I'm sure they're very sincere that when they say that they're on their last warning. But a number said last time they were on their last warning and yet still went through the government lobbies because you know, the, the, the terms of the debate very subtly change. And there's always a belief that, that you know, there might be light at the end of the tunnel. The, the Prime Minister has held out the possibility in a fortnight's time of some revision uh, in the tiers. And that, that's given some MPs hope, I, I would perhaps suggest false hope, that uh, they will move down a tier. Uh, well, we'll see about that. Um, you know, these decisions are, are, are not uh, in shifting tiers, are not in the Prime Minister's gift. Uh, so um, I, I think they're destined to, those MPs hoping for a change are destined for, for disappointment. One thing that came out very clearly, though, in the debate, um, including from Conservative MPs who did vote with the government, is that they were very unhappy with the broad brush nature of the tiers they've been put in. For example, all of Kent uh, being in tier three. Uh, you know, there's a lot of COVID cases in, in Thanet, in, in the far east of, of Kent, but very few in, in, in Tunbridge Wells, where, where Greg Clark is. And you know, not just there, but in Warwickshire and elsewhere, MPs saying this simply isn't fair. Other countries like Germany, they uh, have uh, uh, their local lockdowns are very micro indeed. You know, as, as small as a few blocks of flats. Here, whole regions are being locked down, and uh, it, it's it's quite unfair. So, uh, the, the problem they have now is that this system is continuing until February. So uh, they voted for it now. So they they um, they have to put up with it. One of the things that has been going on during the day is a big expectation management battle. Number 10 have been trying to uh, inflate, it seems, trying to inflate the numbers of, uh, of MPs that uh, they think we're going to rebel. And the COVID recovery group are saying, no, no, all we're expecting is uh, what what happened last time. We were only expecting the, the, the few numbers we rebelled last time, which I don't think many people believe. Who do you think won this battle of uh, expectation management? Well, I, I mean, I mean, it's it's always uh, uh, sensible to to underpromise and overdeliver. So the uh, the COVID recovery group, which is the, the main conservative parliamentary group of lockdown skeptics, uh, you know, they're never going to say we, you know we're we're going to get seventy, eighty MPs when 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 they think they're not. Uh, they uh, they they got thirty four Tory MPs voting against the lockdown. Um, a month ago on, on, on the 4th of November. So their position now, I think um, 55, 56 Conservative MPs voting is a great improvement. My, my understanding is that the, um, the uh, COVID uh, recovery group's um, whipping, uh, informal whipping done during the day led them to believe they would be roughly 55, 56 uh, MPs to the good, uh, and that's what it's turned out. So that, that says to me that uh, they are a, a well-oiled operation. When you say whipping, you mean counting rather than whipping, because I was told today by a source that uh, they weren't trying to persuade anybody to change their minds. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, the word, word persuade, you could perhaps um, 
put in italics. I mean, you're right to say uh, it's not whipping in, in the formal manner, uh, but it, it's it's discussion among it's friendly discussion amongst friends. Those who are in the COVID recovery groups, uh, rather informal membership, we're talking perhaps around 70 or so MPs. Uh, you know, they, they they don't need the hard sell, but they are uh, you know they are like-minded, and there are conversations, friendly conversations that that, that take place. But uh, there's none of the uh, the enforcement you would expect from from the the government whips office. That that's sort of a very different order. Uh, one thing you uh, have written about is the, the the enormous power of the chief whip now. When the, loads of MPs are back uh, at home and aren't voting in person, the 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 ability for the chief whip to uh, vote on their behalf by proxy. I noticed that looking through the data, the deputy chief whip seems to have voted for an astonishing number of MPs, 220 Tory MPs. Um, but he did actually uh, record a no vote for a few of them. Marcus Fish, I noticed David Davis. Is this the, potentially the first time a, a, a chief whip has voted by proxy against his own government? Uh, I think it, it, it happened. Uh, no, it's not, actually. It, it happened uh, before. But, uh, but, I mean, this is a, clearly a, a major vote. It, it's a very good sign, by the way, that the deputy chief whip is um, voting by uh, you know, voting by, by proxy in this way for both sides, according to how uh, the uh, backbench Tories are actually uh, trying to vote. It, it's still a quite extraordinary state of affairs, though, that uh, MPs, because of the uh, COVID restrictions in, in force in, in the parliamentary estate, uh, you know, can sit at home and effectively do nothing and just know that, that the, the deputy chief whip has, has their vote and can, uh, can do the, the, the vulgar business of voting on, on their behalf. It, it, it does, I think, reduce their sense of really having to think about things, come in, discuss things with colleagues and physically go through the division lobby, which is an important part, a physical part of how an MP uh, makes up his mind. Uh, David, I mean, really, as, as we round off this podcast, let me put it to you. Um, from tomorrow, we have these new pre-tier restrictions across England. They're going to be in place until the 2nd of February. So it's in February that Parliament will again have the opportunity to vote on what follows uh, in terms of COVID r- restrictions. Do you from this take the view that this is now the end of the Tory rebellion until the new year? There's not much more for them to do. There are not many more parliamentary days left. Uh, and so really this is, you know, the government's, the, the government's bought a bit of time. Or between now and uh, um, Christmas is, is the more trouble ahead for this government. Well, of course, we're getting to the last few weeks before recess and the government still hasn't agreed a trade deal with the EU, uh, which they would have to put before Parliament. Uh, The highly professional whipper operation we saw today shows that the ERG uh, rebel machine that that got rid of Theresa May so successfully is probably still very effective. There's a great deal of overlap with the lockdown sceptic CRG and the European Research Group. So that could well be um, a government defeat in the offing in the next few weeks, dependent on what the government bring back from Brussels and whether they can neuter the existing withdrawal agreement. Well, we'll be back to cover that. Uh, David Scullion, very nice talking to you, to you about uh, today's extraordinary events in the House of Commons. If you've enjoyed listening to The Critic podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? 
Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk.